Well, welcome. This is new for us, and so uh, it's uh, a little different. Still working out some uh, some things, but uh, it's good to see you tonight. It's uh, good to be here to worship God together uh, with you. And uh, um, I don't know about you, but uh, if you've noticed the kids, there's one thing they love about this place, and that's the fact that we have an elevator. And so I think the, the electric bill is going to go through the roof because the kids keep going up and down in the elevator. But uh, anyway, it's good to be, be uh, here tonight. And, uh, if I ha- and Happy New Year to you, because this is our first service of 2020. Um, uh, just a couple of things. If you have an offering that you want to give tonight, then uh, uh, the baskets are like at the back now. So as you uh, as you go out the doors, just on the left before you go out the doors, uh, you can give uh, in the baskets, or you also go to thisgen.com and uh, give right online at thisgen.com. So normally, uh, first service of the new year. What we normally do is we introduce a theme for the year, um, which has been Generation Generation Church's custom. Uh, This is the 9th January that we have met together as a church, and each January we've gone through a um, uh, a theme. And so last year, if you remember, our theme was Perfectly One. And so... uh, we uh, everything that we did and all our messages and the the things that we did through the year were all geared around that theme, perfectly one. But this is the first time in nine years of us meeting that I just feel this year that I shouldn't introduce a theme for the year. Um, I, praying about it, saying, God, what's the theme? What's the theme for 2020? And I just felt the Lord saying. Uh, not to introduce a theme that everything bases around uh, this year. But this is what I feel God has been saying to me uh, and us as a church. And this is what I feel. I felt it in September when we announced that we were going to be leading, leaving Old Emerton and uh, we were going to find some, a new place to, uh, to gather. I felt God just keeps saying, follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. And so this year, that's what I think what we should do. Not as a theme, so everything is based around it, but just follow the Spirit. My prayer over the last couple of weeks has been, Spirit, just lead on. Holy Spirit, lead us on uh, to where you have us, what you would want us to do, the people that you would have us to go to. So that's what we're going to do this year. And the problem is when you follow the Holy Spirit, it sometimes looks confusing Sometimes it's a little messy and sometimes it's even strange. But then there are other times that are beautiful and life-changing. Because wherever the Spirit is, there is life. And lives are changed and lives are renewed and lives are revived. And so we are going to follow the Spirit. And in order to do that, often we have to take a back seat and hold on for dear life. For the journey ahead is not plain sailing But this is what I know about the Spirit. When you follow the Spirit, you will go to destinations that you never even thought that you could go to. Because the Spirit will take you on a journey that you, on your own, would never want to go to by yourself. So as we start out this new year at Generation, everything's different. The first thing that is different, we had people in here at 5 o'clock when the music started. That was pretty different. Normally, we're all gathering in by about 10 past 10 on a Sunday morning. We're all here. So I'm excited to see that we could start the timer on time today. That's different. We've got a lobby. That's different. 
The kids are in the same building. Praise the Lord, right? Another thing that's different, I went to the bathroom tonight, and not to get too personal, but someone was in the same, in the same room as me when I was going to the bathroom and going to the bathroom as well. That was nice as well. Everything is different. <laughs> different. It's not the same, and it may be a little terrifying and unsettling. However, this is what I know the Bible tells us, and Chris already touched on it on his welcome tonight, that the Bible tells us that God is making all things new, that the past is behind us, that we are to press on, that he promises us that the latter shall be greater than the former, and I believe that our best days are not behind us, but our best days are in front of us. And I believe that this is the start of a new day for generation, and our best days are ahead of us. So for today, this is what I want us to do. I thought it would be good to do a quick refresh why we are here today as a church. Why are we gathered in this place? Why has God called Generation Church into existence? Why, what is God's design for us as a church? Now, this isn't going to be us talking about our mission statements as a church. I'm not going to present to you this is Alex's vision for 2020. That's not what we're going to do today. We're going to scale everything back and we're going to ask a real simple question. Just why are we here? Why are we here? You know, our culture is super celebrity obsessed. I don't know about you, but whenever a celebrity says something or does something, it gets tweeted, I don't know how many times. When people see celebrities endorse something, that they go and buy those products, People love the thought of celebrities, and when they see celebrities, they are in awe of that celebrity. And so, over Christmas, my wife's family were in town, and uh, my niece, Liasi, uh, she leads, helps lead worship in her church. She's in college, and uh, she's all musical and loves music, and we were talking about Kanye West. And uh, I, I don't know if you know, but Kanye West is now professing to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, in the short amount of time he's professed that, he's already released two albums already. I'm like, the guy is cracking the gospel albums out. And, and I love black gospel. It's one of my favorite genres of music. Um, and uh, so I've listened to both those albums. They're not my favorite, I'll be honest. I think there's other better black gospel albums out there. But if you had never listened to them, then go and listen to them. It's interesting to now hear Kanye West talking about Jesus and uh, lifting up the name of Jesus. Hi. And so we were talking about it, and Liasi said to me, she goes, isn't this awesome? This is great. She goes, because can you imagine the impact that he can have on people that we as a church could never reach? She goes, if this is for real, if he is for real, then, then, then he can reach people, none of us, and he can have a huge effect on the church in America, and Christianity can thrive through it. And I was listening to it, her saying this, and I stopped her. I said, Liasi, I says, you have to remember, when you look at the Bible and you look at church history, God never really used the celebrities of the day to enhance his church. In fact, most of the time throughout church history, the celebrities in the forms of kings and leaders and different ones have had a detrimental effect on Christianity. 
The people that God has used through the centuries that Christianity has been in existence are the unknown ones and twos that God has raised up, that has reached out to different ones, reached out to their neighbors and their friends. And it's by the ones and twos that God has been able to create a church that has gone global where people all over the world are finding Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's not about the celebrities. When we started Generation Church nine years ago, it, we, we started our first services in a, in a house in a basement, and uh, we had lights and everything. It was awesome in this basement. And one of the guys in there, was, his name was Rob. And uh, Rob was a great guy, uh, uh, but Rob was a magician. He was one of those guys where you do stuff and you're just like, how do you do that? My mind is blown. I don't believe in magic, but I'm just, my mind is not comprehended. Well, Rob decided he wanted to pursue his magic career and he went out to Vegas. Uh, and before long, Rob was on YouTube. And Rob had become viral on YouTube. He had one video that over a million, couple of million people saw. He was on the NBC Today show. And in the end, he eventually became a host of an MTV show. And suddenly, Rob's status had elevated. One Sunday, he came back and visited us at Generation. And I remember all the youth looking at him. <gasps> it's Rob Anderson. They were just like, can we talk to him? Can we touch him? You know? I mean, nobody wanted to touch him when he was starting out. But then once he became a celebrity, and it's funny, he just released a video. He had gone off YouTube for two years because he said the celebrity culture is just toxic. But people love celebrities. My best friend growing up, Aid, his sister, Bev, she is a famous R&B singer in the UK, and to me, she's just Bev, my friend's sister, but it's amazing. Everybody knows her name, and people, when they see her, they're awestruck. I'm like, she's just a normal person like you and me. We are obsessed in our culture with celebrities, so in a world that looks up to celebrities, where it seems everyone and every organization is trying to become known so that they can be a somebody, how should a church operate in that culture, in this celebrity culture? And it is the why of the church that answers this question. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start reading verse 1. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly, to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. 
But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as some people of other religions do. Ever heard someone pray who just goes on and on and on and on? And you're like, I think God has stopped listening already. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will if sorry, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Will reward you. Jesus here is teaching his famous Sermon on the Mount. This is where he gives the Beatitudes and blessed is this and blessed is that. This is the one where he, he, he says uh, to, 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 to the man who, who, who lusts after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. This is where uh, he, he, he tells uh, the person who, who gets slapped on the cheek to turn your other cheek and let them slap it again. And as he's teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to these Jewish people. And he talks about rewards, rewards. I don't know about you, I love rewards. I love credit card rewards, right? I love getting that cash back when you have it. You know, you love getting that. I have different apps on my phone, like my Dunkin' Donut app or my Wawa app or my Tropical Smoothie Cafe app. And I love my $5 here and $5 there and a free coffee here. I love rewards, but in this Jewish culture at the time, they were very big on rewards, seeking rewards from God. So they would do something hoping God would reward them. So as Jesus speaks to this culture, he basically says the reward here isn't in being a celebrity. The reward isn't in people knowing who you are. The reward isn't in people knowing what good you have done. The reward isn't in others thinking that you are close to God and you are a spiritual person. Jesus is saying here, your reward is in me. Your reward is in me. So using Matthew chapter 6 as a backdrop, I wanted to give just three reasons why we're here today. Three reasons why we're here. And the first reason is this. 
We are created to make Jesus famous. We are created to make Jesus famous. We as a church do not exist to make Generation Church famous. We're not here so our name can be plastered all over town. So that we become the name on everybody's lips. We're not a for-profit company that's trying to increase our brand awareness so that the name of Generation is famous. And when people think about Generation, they know exactly. That is not why this church was created. The reason we're called Generation Church and not just church is because... It speaks to what, why we, what, what uh, the people who are part of this church, that we wanted to reach out to a generation, not just one generation, but all generations that would come, uh, young and middle-aged and elderly, that they would come and worship God together. Generation church. But we do not exist to make generation church famous. Does that stance hurt us in a culture where brand awareness is at the highest. People will buy something from a brand just because they've seen it on TV. Doesn't mean it's the best brand. That's the world we live in. But I'm convicted in my heart and my spirit that the name of a church or the name of a pastor or preacher should never overshadow the name of Jesus. Let me tell you this. If the people know the name Generation Church, but not the name Jesus, then we have failed in our mission. See, we were created to make the name of Jesus famous. I love Sunday afternoons. I get on Facebook, and I have lots of friends all over the world on, on, on Facebook, and a lot of Christians and Sunday afternoon's the, the best time because you, you get on Facebook and you see them all talking about their church service that day. These are the spiritual ones, you know, and the ones who want to make sure everybody knows they went to church that day. And, and what, what, what you often find, you, you'll see this, went to whatever the church's name is, had a great time. Went to this church, church's name, and man, just life is wonderful. I heard this pastor's name speak today and he motivated me to become a better person. And you see that so often in the Christian culture that often we live in. But when people mention a church or a preacher more than they mention Jesus, that church actually probably is starting to hurt people from experiencing Jesus. See, we weren't created to become the brand Generation Church. We were created to be a community of Christ followers to make the name of Jesus famous in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. I love what John the Baptist says in John chapter 3. John the Baptist, he was actually a kind of a celebrity of, of the day. People started to know who John the Baptist was. His name was, was reaching around and, and people knew exactly who he was. And this is what he says in John chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. He says, you yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. 
It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. Then he says this, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Our goal is that the name of Jesus becomes greater and greater. Not that the name Generation Church becomes greater and greater. We are here to make Jesus famous. Secondly, we were created to glorify Jesus. Not just make him famous, but now to glorify Jesus. Our actions, our words, our worship, our good deeds, our works should always shine the light away from us and onto Jesus. Jesus told us in the same Sermon on the Mount that you are the light of the world talking to his followers. You are the light on the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are the light. We're not to be shined upon. We're the light to shine it upon Jesus. Have you ever told a scary story around a campfire? What do you do? You get your flashlight and you put it under your chin. And you start telling the scary stories. And if you've got teenagers around, you start to see them all brave and start shivering. And, you know, they can't sleep that night. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I used to do that. And it was just, I mean, just it gave me more of a buzz than anything, you know. Scare these teenagers who thought they were super strong. And you do that. It's scary when you shine a light on yourself. Some of you, when you wake up in the morning, you don't even like to look in the mirror at yourself. It's scary to shine a light on ourselves. Why did Jesus in Matthew 6 tell us, when you do good deeds, or when you pray, or when you fast, do it privately? He says, when you do good deeds, don't tell anybody. When you pray, you know what? The best thing to do is go into a room, lock the door, and pray privately. And when you fast, comb your hair, brush your teeth, and go on like nothing is happening. Don't make it known to other people. And the reason he says that is because we're not to shine the light on ourselves. Because when we shine the light on ourselves, we're taking the glory away from Jesus. The light should always go to Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 verse 36 says this. Talking about Jesus. For everything comes from him. And everything exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Everything is intended for his glory. And unfortunately, and I know we would love it to be, but this world is not about you. We tell our kids that all the time, right? And then we go keep buying them presents and gifts and I'm guilty. It's not about you. It's not about you. Yeah, sure, you can have this and that and that. But the reality is this world is not about you. It was created for his glory. 
It's about him. It's about Jesus. But the amazing thing is, he allows us to experience him. While we're shining our lights on him, we get to see him. We get to look him in the face. We we get to experience all the great things that comes with Jesus, the love and the peace and the joy and the hope and the grace and the mercy for each and every day. We were created to give him glory. We were created to make him famous and to give him glory. And the third thing, we were created for. We were created to bring pleasure to Jesus. We were created to bring pleasure to Jesus. We have to remember that God created us. We didn't create God. The people who create gods are people who are worshiping false gods. Remember, Moses went up the mountain and he was gone and he was speaking to, to God for 40 days and he came down and he saw the Israelites uh, and suddenly there was this golden calf. They wanted to create a God themselves and they were worshiping this golden calf. But the reality is we did not create God. God created us. In fact, he created us for his, in his image for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. We were created for God's pleasure, not God created to give us pleasure. So then what does please God? What pleases God? What are the things that bring pleasure to God? Well, the Bible tells us that faith brings pleasure to God. That obedience brings pleasure to God. That a genuine sacrifice brings pleasure to God. It tells us that a heart that seeks him brings pleasure to him. Good works with a pure heart please God. These are the things that God desires us as a people to have and to be. And as a church, our role is to make Jesus smile. To make Jesus smile. You almost want to give Jesus the warm and fuzzies. You know when you're on your phone and if you've got kids and you look at your kids when when they're being nice at one moment, when you take a picture and they look awesome, you know, and you forget that nine hours of the day when they've tore your hair out and you look and it gives you all the warm and fuzzies. You're like, oh, they were so cute, weren't they? Our job as a church is to make Jesus smile so that when he looks down on us, his children, he was like, yeah, that's my son. That's my daughter. Oh, man, that son over there, he loves me. Oh, that daughter over there, man, she gives up her time and herself for me all the time. I'm so proud of them. I'm so pleased. When God looks at Generation Church, my prayer is that he looks down on us and says, wow, I just love these people. I just love their faith and their obedience to me. I I, I love how they just worship me with their whole heart to bring a smile onto Jesus' face. That's our role. In fact, the Apostle Paul again says in Colossians 1, chapter 15 and 16, he says, Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in, unseen, in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. We were created to give God pleasure. We weren't created so God could smite us, so God could, could, could look at us and be angry with us and hate us and, and look at our sin that says, I'm going to judge you and, and, and that's it. We were created for him, for him to give him pleasure. The people who use Jesus to become famous or to bring glory to themselves or even to use Jesus for their own pleasure and their own reward. And there are plenty of people out there who use Jesus for their own pleasure and reward. They actually do gain a reward. People who manipulate Jesus or those who boast about all the wonderful things they're doing, they gain a reward according to Jesus. This is their reward. They get what you see. They get their 15 minutes of fame. That They get their followers on Twitter or Facebook. That They get to be put on a magazine. They get to be motivated to be more motivated, right? That's how we feel in January. I'm motivated to be more motivated. And then February comes. They get their reward according to Jesus. Jesus says their reward is the here and now, but that's all they're getting. However, he tells us, those who choose to shine their light away from themselves and to make Jesus famous. Those who shine the glory to Jesus are not back on themselves. Those who seek to please God, even over their own wants and desires, have an amazing promise. And this is the promise. God will reward you. God will reward you. Think about that. What reward would you like from God? For me, for me in my house, my son, if I give him a lollipop or if I give him an ice cream sandwich or if I tell him he can have some Skittles, man, I'm the best dad. Dad of the year. That's all it takes. It doesn't take much. We bought him for Christmas. We bought him this Nintendo Switch. He'd been on to me forever to buy him a Nintendo Switch. I didn't want to buy him one. And in the end, I, I was in Target and it was Christmas Eve. And I was just like, okay, let's just do it. And he's played with this thing and he's loved it, you know, for a little bit. But I get, um, I have an app that I can check how often he's playing. I'm like, why aren't you playing Nintendo Switch much? And 
the reason is, is because when we were packing up the church, my old Nintendo Wii was in the church. We bought it home, plugged it in to see if it still worked. My son thinks it's the latest, greatest thing. <laughs> he doesn't realize he's living in 2008. <laughs> but we've been playing this thing, and I'm like, I could have saved a boatload of money and just wrapped that up for Christmas and given him that for Christmas. It's all it takes to reward, just the little things. But what reward do you want? What is the deepest desire of your heart? The promises of God are for those who seek him and follow him and live to glorify him. Then this is what he tells us in the Psalms. When you do that, he will give you the desires of your heart. God will reward you. What's your desires? What's your desires in your marriage, your desires for your kids, desires for your life, the things that you want to see? What is your desire that God would come into your life and change your life? Maybe you've got a, a, a medical issue and, and you want God to touch you with your body. What is your desires? Jesus says, I will reward you. As a church, as we look ahead to the year, it's going to be an interesting year. We're going to try to follow the Spirit. Sometimes we may be wrong, and you have to be gracious with us when we do that. Because my name's not Jeremiah or Isaiah. My name's not Haggai. It's not even Moses. It's Alex. And the last time I looked at the Bible, I don't think there was a book by Alex with Thus Saith the Lord. But we're going to try and follow the Spirit and see what the Spirit says. My prayer is that we will join together and be determined to make the name of Jesus famous. That we would shine our lights towards his glory in all that we do to glorify the name of Jesus. That we would continually bring him pleasure. And when the world sees Generation Church... They see Jesus, and only Jesus. And when Jesus sees Generation Church, he smiles. There's a verse found in Thessalonians that of this last year has just really hit me so hard. In this culture that we live in that is so put-your-name-out-there culture, I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians in Thessalonians 4.11. He says this. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding your own business. Working with your hands. Just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect you the way you live. And you will not need to depend on others. It's not about putting our name out there. Throughout church history, it's been the unknowns who have reached the one. The unknowns who have reached their neighbor. The unknowns who have reached their spouse or their children. The unknowns who have reached their co-worker. 
the unknowns who have reached their fellow students, the unknowns who have reached their friends. That's how the kingdom of God has been built. And that's my desire for us at Generation Church, to make his name famous. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for Jesus. We thank you, God, that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to give of his life for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much, that you looked upon us even when we were dark and deep in our sin. We were lost so far away from you. God, when we were doing our own thing and we didn't even know where to turn. God, you looked upon us and you smiled and you said, I love you. And we thank you for that. And tonight, God, we just ask you as a church that you will help us to turn the lights from shining on ourselves to shining on you. God, that we as a church will make the name of Jesus famous. That Halford County, the name on their lips will be the name Jesus. It won't be the name of a church or the name of a pastor or a preacher or a motivational speaker. But it will be the name Jesus. That in our county, that people will come to a place where they will bow before you. And they will bow to the name of Jesus. That they will give their life unto you and understand that you are a God that loves them and cares for them. That died for them. That wants to be in relationship with them. So God, tonight, help us as a church to make you famous, to glorify you, that we would bring good pleasure to you, that you would look upon us and you would smile. We ask in your name. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we're going to sing one more song before we dismiss. If you want prayer tonight for whatever, maybe you've got something in your life that you're going through and you need someone to pray with you. If you want to come to Jesus, if you've never come to that place where you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray for you. If you're here tonight and maybe you just want to experience more of God, or maybe you've known that it's been more about you than it has been about God and you want us to pray with you, then we're here to pray. There's plenty of room here at the front. Just come and, and we'll come and pray with you. Just come and stand at the front. And we'll pray with you as we sing this song together. We're a family here tonight. and There's nothing to be ashamed of to ask for prayer. I ask for prayer all the time. But as we come in this last moment of worship, let us sing this song as an expression of glorifying the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and loved us so much and gave of his life for us. So let's stand to our feet and let's worship him tonight.